What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. I'm your host, Zach, and wow, what a crazy week of football to talk about. Basketball's still going on. This is uh, the most sports in a weekend I think I've watched in a couple of years, so I'm excited to, uh, <laughs> excited to talk about everything that happened. Uh, let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. What's going on, guys? It is Connor, the co-host with the most, and... I'm pretty excited right now because the Steelers are up 26 to 10 with only five minutes to go. So I'm looking like Zach's tweet there on Twitter, or I don't know if Eric made that, but one of the two who made it on Twitter about the Steelers Steelers (laughs) joining the 1-0 club is about to come true. So I'm very excited and excited to talk about uh, all the sports that have been going on. So, um, yeah. And what's going on, guys? This is Eric, your ranting co-host here. And uh, if you had told me going into week one that the Washington football team and the Jacksonville Jaguars would both be sitting at first place in their division going into the Monday night game, I would have told you you were crazy. But uh, I'm glad it happened for the Jags and looking forward to talking about all of it. What's up, guys? It's Nate here. Um, looking forward to talking to you guys about um, pretty exciting opening week of football. Um, glad the Pats were able to get in the win column. Glad the Jags were able to get there as well. A little bit surprising there. So a lot of stuff to talk about. Absolutely. So uh, as custom for the future, we're going to start off these episodes with Around the Shield, which in case you didn't catch last week, last week's episode, is just going to be uh, us talking about various different topics related to the NFL. Uh, could be discussions like what we're going to have next, and then it also could be uh, talking about how the actual games went. So Connor's prepared the first uh, discussion here, so I'll let him introduce that topic, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so um, I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, the style, not really the style, but the level of play that was going on this week in the NFL. Um, there was a lot of concerns about um, all the players, you know, the gameplay being not very good and, you know, everybody being disorganized because there was no preseason, there was not a lot of practice. So I kind of wanted to touch on kind of what we saw in week one, like the goods and the bads. Um, I would say, I guess, I think you guys would probably agree with me that most of the teams looked pretty good. I mean, they a lot of teams started slow, you know, and that was to be expected. You know, they haven't played full-on games in almost a year now, um, a little bit less than that, but kind of like nine months since they've played full-on games. And a lot of them looked really, really good for the most part. I think there were a few exceptions. Like, I know the Bucks had a lot of really stupid things that happened in their game. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But the Bucks were pretty disorganized. Um, but for the most part, a lot of the teams looked really good. I know I can use the Steelers as an, exa- as an example. They were pretty bad at the start of this game. The offense looked terrible. But as the game went on and you get into that flow, you get back into playing, the offense starts looking a lot better. So... Um, and I think another thing that was really, I guess, a negative from this week was the officials. I'm sure you guys would agree with me on that, too. Some of the refereeing in these games was pretty bad. Um, there was a but lot really, that's that's nothing new, though. I mean, <laughs> very, very true. Very true. But I think it was I think there was probably more of a light shown on it in this game. And yeah, this week because they didn't have the preseason, like especially last night with the uh, Rams and Cowboys like that, uh, that 
offensive pass interference on the Cowboys that pretty much cost them the game. The good acting job right there from Jalen Ramsey. So, um, but I, what I guess I'll let you guys give your thoughts too. But I, what I wanted to touch on was, um, do we think the preseason is this a illustration for possibly not having a preseason at all, or maybe a reduced preseason in the future? So I would have to say, in my opinion, I think the preseason does still hold uh, value because it gives teams that playing time. But definitely after seeing what's happened this first week, I would be all in favor of definitely at least reducing it to two games. Like they don't need four games to do it. I mean, even the young guys looked good in the first week. So I'm interested to see uh, and hear what you guys have to say on this topic. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, I'll go first because I'm a contrarian to Connor and his opinion there. But... What a shock! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's not something like I'm going to pound my fist on the table about. Like, I'm not. I'm not like that about this. But um, I, I think this has really shown what I've been thinking all along that we don't need a preseason. Uh, it's you know terrible to watch uh, games that don't matter. You know, it's really, even as a diehard football fan as I am, it's really hard to sit down and watch an entire preseason game because usually as the game goes on, the quality of play gets worse and worse. Uh, so, um, you know, maybe catch the first drive and that's it. But, um, no, I, I think the value of the preseason really uh, is for young players and fringe players to make the team. But... An example of uh, this is week one, the Jaguars had 16 rookies on their team and still won without having a preseason. So it shows that it, it can be done. You can have young players that still perform well in week one without having a preseason. And I think the biggest uh, drawback to having a preseason is you get injuries. Every year you get injuries, and injuries are unavoidable so I'm not going to say like, oh, you know, but th there are some injuries that would happen in the preseason that can shape teams entire seasons, regular seasons anyway. So, yeah, a lot of week one injuries happen and whatnot, and a lot of practice field injuries happen. But it's just another risk to the NFL. And you can see quarterbacks get hurt or key players on teams get hurt. It's just something I think now uh now that we know that we can have a successful start and not have like 10 fumbles on kick returns and um <laughs> and just terrible quality play that you know we we can be fine without a preseason and it paves the way for that 17 game season and with that 17 game season having a preseason really is going to drag on to that and potentially make down the line quality worse so i'm in favor of eliminating the preseason but Eric, I'll, I'll go around to you. What do you think? What side of this? What side of this do you stand on? Yeah, going into this season, I really wish they could have had at least one preseason game before the season started. But I was pleasantly surprised at how good the quality of football was yesterday. I mean, I watched four of the games yesterday uh, in their entirety, and it all four of the games I watched, you know, you could tell there was a little bit of rust, but that happens every week one, whether there's a preseason or not. So I actually think I'm more in favor of there being no preseason, but 
I'm okay if they were to reduce it down to two, but I think at this point they ha- they definitely have to at least cut it down to two games at the bare minimum because four games is way unnecessary. Uh, if they were going to keep them, I would be okay with that just because it gives the teams a better chance to evaluate their fringe, you know, borderline players and making the team like Zach was talking about. But if they were to also cut, you know, cut it out completely, I'd be okay with that too. Uh, so I'm fine either way. But I, after being, you know, really surprised about how well the quality of the games were yesterday, I would be okay if they decided to cancel it too. I'd be cool with that. Nate, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, so I'm kind of with you guys here. I, After watching these games, they were definitely a lot better um, quality than I was expecting with no preseason. Um, I definitely think they could go on without the preseason going forward. Um, kind of like echoing what you guys said, I think a lot of players would be in favor of it. Um, gives them a chance to avoid injuries and all that good stuff. Um, obviously, they've shown that with just a standard training camp and some scrimmages, they can be ready to... Um, put a watchable product on the field. And I think the only benefit to the preseason always has been for, like what Zach was saying, like the practice squad um, kind of guys who are just trying to get trying to get on the um, 53-man roster or get picked up by another team. But I think the way they could go around that is to keep these expanded practice squads like they have for um, because of you know the COVID uh, changes to the rule book. Um, I think if they kept the expanded practice squads to give these guys a chance to hang around, um, I would be 100% in favor of getting rid of the um, preseason. All right, there you go, guys. Uh, I guess three votes to cancel, one to reduce. So <laughs> that's where uh, that's where Clutch Curry Sports stands on the matter. Um, so let's let's now get into some of the games. Obviously, we're not going to be able to talk about every game, but we've highlighted three games to talk about. Uh, I'll let Connor start with the first one here. Philadelphia at Washington. <laughs> all of us picked Philly to win this game, and you know, of course, we were all wrong. And uh, Connor and Nate, this was your guys' survival pick, so you guys were even more stunned. But uh, talk us uh, through that game. Like, how big is this of a loss for Philly? Uh, what does this mean for Washington? Like, this is shocking, man. <laughs> yeah, especially. I mean. You know, we were talking beforehand, Philly kind of screwed me over. I mean, I don't think I've ever had a situation where in the first week of the season I lost my survival pick. So, um, I mean, and especially since, I mean, it was just a complete collapse on the part of the Eagles. I mean, I was watching that game. I mean, I was kind of flipping between that game and the Raiders and Panthers game. And, you know, I was watching the game like, man, Philly is dominating this game. Like, you know, this is playing right into what I thought at the beginning of the year that the red, that God, I keep almost, I keep wanting to say red <laughs> um, thinking right at the year that Washington was going to be the worst team in the NFC East. You know, I was like, they're going to be fighting for that number one pick with uh, the jets and the Jaguars, which we'll get to that later. I mean, cause they surprised too, but um, I mean, I think it's really bad news for the Eagles because considering they won the division last year and obviously the NFC East is always a very winnable division. I mean, there's no one team that really stands out. And the fact that they weren't able to take down Washington and the fact that, um, you know, I guess it's good for them that the Cowboys lost too because, you know, the Cowboys are pretty much the consensus favorite to win the division. But giving up eight sacks in the first week is also really bad. So... 
I don't know if I can expect Washington to keep this up. I definitely want to, you know, wait another week. But it's definitely a very bad sign for the Eagles if they can't even defeat Washington, who should have been one of their easiest wins on the schedule. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I'll, I'll give my thoughts about the Washington side. Um, I I got to say, you know, I picked Philly to win this, but I in my head I was thinking, you know, there's a legit chance Washington could win this. Um, and it ended up happening. I was still surprised it happened, but uh, this is huge for Washington now because, like Eric said at the start of this podcast, they're going to be first place in their division after week one. First and, time in forever. <laughs> yeah, so this is something I think absolutely, if they can run with this momentum, I'm not sure what their schedule looks like for the future games, but, I mean... What a complete turnaround from an organization that's been in so much of a mess uh, to pull out a win against a division rival week one. I mean, like like you said, I think this is I, – I do think there is something to this. I don't think this is a fluke. Um, but, wow, this is this is why the NFL is great, though, and we'll get to another, uh, <laughs> a, another uh, um, upset here, which Arizona at San Francisco – uh, all four of us picked San Francisco to win this game, and of course we lost. Arizona wins 24-20. Um, this one, for me, got me more off guard than the Wa- Philly-Washington game. I was more confident San uh, Fran yeah, would be for, able to win for this. For sure, for sure. Um, but Eric, uh, what do you think about this? Uh, are you higher on Arizona now after this and even lower on San Francisco? Uh, I mean, I'm not lower on san francisco just yet i mean i have the i had them before the season and the conference championship game so i'm not gonna like panic for them but i felt like deandre hopkins was going to be a great addition for arizona so and he obviously proved to be very good for them in this game and you could like similarly too you could tell in the chiefs texans game you could really tell that deshaun watson missed having DeAndre Hopkins out there you could I mean the guy's a difference maker and so he came up big for them in this game and so I am higher on Arizona now going forward they're still in that really tough division but they obviously beat one of those tougher teams so they could definitely do it and I wanted to say real quick too about the Washington football team game uh if you watch the NFC East video uh you'll know that I mentioned in that game or in that episode that I had a lot of concerns about the Eagles offensive line with the injuries that they've had there. And that obviously proved to be a factor. And Zach talked about how good Washington's defensive line is in that episode. So when you've got a great defensive line going against a bad offensive line, you know, that type of stuff is going to happen. I wish I had seen that coming because football generally is one of the trenches. So, but I did get that pick wrong, but, um, but yeah, it's at least it wasn't your survival pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, see, I wasn't confident enough in the Eagles to pick them for survival. But I, I like Zach. I wish I had thought more confidently of Washington to get that right. But, um, but yeah, Arizona—they're going to be a fun team to watch uh, this year. So we'll see what happens. Nate, do you have uh, any thoughts on either of these two games? Yeah, I didn't really get a chance to watch. Um, much of the Arizona game, um, they did they definitely looked a little better than I thought. Um, DeAndre Hopkins came in and made obviously knew he was gonna be good. Um, paired with Kyler Murray, but um, 
they looked a lot better than I expected. Uh, the Washington Eagles game was definitely um, a surprise for me. I had them as my survival pick, so I'm already got a um, an X on the board there, which I'm not too happy about. But um, <laughs> I'm, I haven't given up on the Eagles yet. Um, they were leading big at one point in the game, and uh, I think they have enough talent on offense. It's just they have to do a better job of, you know, you're going to get Carson Wentz killed back there. You can't give up eight sacks to um, the football team like that. Um, so if they, if they do a better job up front next week, I think they definitely can still compete for the East. I think I like the town they have, but um, that was definitely a, a shocker week one there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll get to the other upset later on, but I uh, want to go now to the game of the week. Buccaneers at Saints. Nate and I picked the Saint or Nate and I picked the Bucks and got it wrong. Eric and Connor on the winning side of this one picking New Orleans. And I'll give my thoughts on on how the game went. Um, as a Buccaneers uh, believer, I'm not too worried at all about uh, this game, how it unfolded and everything, just because uh, the Buccaneers shot themselves in the foot so many times. I know they're accustomed to doing that, but. It's week one on the road at New Orleans and like no preseason with a new quarterback and a new offense, uh, a lot of new players on the offense. It just didn't bode well. I should have seen it coming, but I thought their raw talent would still outweigh them, but they got to get things uh, back in order, especially on special teams. That was big. Uh, but the good thing about this is it's only week one. These week one games will mean nothing by the time we get to the playoffs when this will actually matter. And I think they have a lot of opportunity to correct things. And in in some ways, this could be seen as a positive for Buccaneers fans to think about because, you know, it's going to be one of those things, okay, you're supposed to be really good. You're supposed to win all these games. You're, you're on prime time all these games. And you come out and you lay an egg and Tom Brady doesn't play very well. And he gets called out by Bruce Arians. Like it's one of those things that it's, it's really good for them that it's happening in week one and they have time to adjust and uh, they get the Panthers at home this week, which should be a win for them. So I'm not concerned about the Buccaneers and something about the saints that I, that kind of concerns me a little bit is uh, their offense because uh, they scored 34 points, but a lot of that came from well, there was a pick six and there was a fumbled punt by the Buccaneers. So um, the Saints offense, I thought, was settling for field goals sometimes. And Drew Brees didn't have a great game. He was efficient, not turning the ball over much. But um, Michael Thomas w- was really shut out of this game. Alvin Kamara had to carry the team on offense so uh it wasn't like in my opinion new orleans just absolutely destroyed tampa i think um i think tampa still has a legit shot of winning the nfc so i'm not i'm not personally not too worried i'll go over to nate since he picked tampa also nate how worried are you about this loss um i'm definitely not that worried about the loss for tampa um that was one of the teams i was pretty high on coming into this season and I think they still have um they're still, I think they're still in good shape um one thing that really stood out to me was um I know we just talked about how good the quality of play was without a preseason but 
out of all the teams I watched, the Bucks looked extremely sloppy. Like you, you touched on the um, muffed uh, kick return and mm-hmm. all that, just all kinds of mistakes and penalties that you just can't have. And especially with a guy like Tom Brady, who throughout his career has really like you know demanded excellence of himself and the guys like next to him. Um, I think that's definitely like kind of not what we're used to with his kind of you know the teams that he's led, I guess. Um, so. I don't know. I think he definitely didn't look 43 out there. I will say that. Um, I think they're in good shape overall. I just have to clean up those mistakes. And the Saints are still a good team. I think that was still a good win by the Saints. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not really worried about uh, the Bucks going forward as long as they, you know, clean up those mistakes, uh, get Mike Evans um, healthy and more involved. Um, yeah. That right, definitely yes. surprised, though, but... Yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, I'll go over now to Eric. Um, pick you. Pick the Saints to win. Uh, how do you feel about uh, how this game went and potential future matchups? Yeah, I, I think you summed it up pretty good here. I mean, the difference in the game was the mistakes that Tampa was making, and then New Orleans being able to capitalize on them for the most part. I mean, when the game first started out and like New Orleans went like I think they got like a first down and then they punted and then Tampa went right down the field and scored and then New Orleans had to punt again and Tampa got the ball and I mean I thought I was worried at that point that Tampa was just going to start running away with it because it seemed like Tampa that seemed like New Orleans couldn't do anything like offensively or defensively and then Tampa was just steamrolling them but but then New Orleans settled down and you know playing better and they came back and had a great game after that. So it was a fun game to watch. Uh, I think it's just still too early to tell mm-hmm. between the two teams, but New Orleans getting the win obviously, you know, helps them big time, you know, with potential, you know, tiebreakers in the division standings later. So, and obviously I'm a Drew Brees fan, so I'm happy about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, go Saints. Uh, Connor, what about you, man? Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think this game is actually really. It's a credit to both defenses for the most part. I mean, you know, the Saints had a pretty bad day on offense, but the Tampa Bay defense was in his face. You know, most of the night, and the secondary held up. So, um, I think you're going to see a lot more out of the Saints. Um, I can't. I don't know exactly who they're playing next week. I don't remember. They're playing the uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, they're playing yeah, they're, right side. They're playing the Raiders. So, I mean, I think you're going to see a lot more out of the Saints offense next week because they're not going to be going against such a great defense and uh, with Tampa Bay's defense, which I will say Tampa Bay's defense definitely, um, I wasn't like too high on them before the season, but they definitely, you know, gave me a good showing last night and, and, uh, you know, they proved me wrong a little bit. So we'll see if they can keep it up. And yeah, it's just about cutting down on the mistakes for Tampa Bay because I mean, you know, there was the punt that was blocked, you know, that they fumbled and then Brady had a, you know, well, one of his interceptions wasn't really his fault. It was more of a miscommunication. But then that second interception, that was the pick six. Like, he can't be doing that. Mm-hmm. And then really just all the stupid penalties they had on offense. I mean, there were so many false starts. There were so many. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, like, a delay of game at one point. Also on defense, you know, they had a couple times where they could have gotten the Saints off the field. But then Vita Vea jumped offside. And then they had, like, a, a pass interference or something that let the Saints keep going on third down. So, the Bucks definitely need to, I mean, they, they need to find their discipline because um, they were the most penalized team in the league last season. And 
you know, anytime that you, um, you know, have that as your moniker, that's not good. So, um, it, like, like you guys said, it's definitely way too early to tell, but, um, still it's, it's a good, it's good news for New Orleans that in the first week of the season that, you know, their biggest competition in the NFC South and they get the the first, uh, they draw first blood. So be really interested to see how it goes out next time when uh, they end up playing Tampa. Cause I think another thing that, you know, New Orleans was obviously hurt by was not having fans. You know, the Superdome is one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL. So not having the fans there, you know, you lose that home field advantage. So more than likely, by the time that they play next time, you know, Raymond James stadium is going to have fans at it. So uh, I'll be really interested to see how that goes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's now talk about the Jaguars. <laughs> I'm happy that, <laughs> no, I, I'm happy that, that that's going to be a topic here. Uh, really. I'll just uh, be talking with Eric about this a little bit uh, briefly, but for me, I picked the Jags to win this. I, you know, you can look at Twitter you can see I, I was off on the final score by like a couple points. Sue me, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think a lot of the NFL did not see this coming. But uh, I, I did tweet that, you know, we hadn't seen any preseason. We hadn't seen any uh, really much of the training camps. Teams didn't uh, open those up. So the only thing that people were going off of were the big names that were being cut and traded and I, I'll give a lot of credit to the management and credit to the coaching staff because when you release Leonard Fournette and you trade Ronnie Harrison, you trade Unique Ngakwe, you do all those moves in a matter of a week and you say, oh, they're football moves. You know, I was like, yeah, right. You know, but looking at how those young guys stepped up and played, James Robinson, uh, sorry I referred to you as a president in the 1800s, but you did a lot better than that. Um, football wise <laughs> uh, so he was a big X factor for him instead of Fournette the safeties Josh Jones played really well for him uh, really Miles Jack I thought stood out on defense as you know an impact player one of the best games I'd seen him play and then the rookies I mean CJ Henderson came up huge with like, I think four pass deflections and an interception uh, Chase on had an interception called back for a penalty but that could have been huge and uh, LaVisca Chanel never hit the ground on offense. I mean, he there was one play Eric will remember where it looked like he was going to get knocked down by the defender barreling in on him, but instead the defender bounced off him and fell down, and uh, LaVisca stayed up upright. So, uh, and then not to mention too, it helps when your quarterback goes nineteen of twenty. I mean, I I love Minshew, but I didn't see that coming. Uh, I think Minshew is really the true leader of this team and. I'm excited to see what happens moving forward now. We have a very winnable schedule for the next couple of weeks. We play, uh, we go to Tennessee. That's going to be a tough one, but we have Miami at home. We've got the Bengals. We've got the Lions and Texans coming up. So some very winnable games on the schedule for this team. I I think it was critical that they got a win in week one. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I just loved how this team played, played like a team. You didn't see stupid penalties. You didn't see the defense yelling at each other for when they messed up. You saw a bunch of guys just having a lot of fun, just being about the team. And I think this is a huge step for the right direction. I'm not a fan of tanking at all. Um, I think it's bad. I think it creates a losing culture for your team. 
and I'll take the win any day of the week. So, Eric, what about you? What were your thoughts watching this game? Yeah, I mean, you summed up all the details of the game perfectly. I mean, so many players that are either, like, rookies or new to the team, like, stepped up big. And I have to agree with Miles Jack, too. Like, it seemed like when he was put in that middle linebacker spot, like, he seemed kind of lost playing there, but bringing in Schobert to be the middle linebacker and him going to his more natural position at weak side linebacker, I think that has made a big difference for him. So I think he's a lot more confident now. So I'm hoping he can keep that, you know, going, going forward. I mean, if I have to have a complaint about the game, uh, it would be that it seemed like the pass rush was not very good. Uh, Phillip Rivers had a lot of time on, pretty much all of his throws and he threw he dropped back like 46 times or something like that it was a lot so to only get a pressure on him once or twice out of all those attempts you know that's not very good but I'm not gonna be too upset about that just because I know how good the Colts offensive line is so you know they did have a really tough test there but they are definitely not to be better there if they're gonna you know keep playing like this but I'm excited, man, not just because we won the game, but one other thing I'm going to add, too, was I saw Gardner Minshew's speech in the locker room after the game, and he just has such a different mentality than people from, like, the old regimes. Because, I mean, I remember when Gus Bradley was the coach, and we would be, like, 0-6, and and then we'd finally win a game. I mean, you would have thought the Jaguars won the Super Bowl looking in that locker room, like, and he and Gus Bradley mm-hmm. would be like, "Yeah, we won. We got to win. Yeah, like, and you know, find you know, and it's like, yeah, it's great to get a win, but you know, when you lose six times in a row first, like, you shouldn't be that excited. You know what I mean? But you know, with this being the first time the Jaguars were above five hundred in a good while, you know, I was kind of expecting the guys to be, you know, similar to that. Yay, we got a win attitude." But and obviously they were happy, but Gardner Minshew said, you know, don't be content with one and oh, you know, we haven't even scratched the surface yet. He was saying different things like that. And just that quality of leadership just gets me so excited knowing that, you know, they these guys want more. You know, these guys want to prove that, you know, this win against the Colts wasn't a fluke. They want to prove that they can be a good team. And I mean, I'll be honest that. I was trying to be optimistic, but, you know, like when we traded Yannick, I was like, okay, that's fine. He didn't want to be here anyway. You know, I wasn't surprised by that. But then when they cut Leonard Fournette and traded Ronnie Harrison, I was like, what are we doing? I was like, we're giving away <laughs> our best players. You know, I I thought for sure that they were going into tank mode. And I said in the AFC South preview episode that, you know, I just had the feeling with the way Khan is – managing Caldwell and Marone that the Jaguars could have gone 0 and 16 this year. And I felt like they would still be back because you don't just trade away all your veterans and supposedly best players for draft picks if you have to win now. So I just had a feeling that the management was doing everything possible to set us up for failure, but obviously they knew some things that we didn't know. And I'm very impressed with this team game one and, you know, looking forward to seeing what they do in the future. So uh, if they beat the Titans, like Zach asked me if my expectations had changed after winning the first game. And 
my expectations haven't necessarily changed, but I will say if we beat Tennessee next week, you know, I, I'm rooting for the playoffs. <laughs> Tampa Bay, here we come. Let's go. <laughs> They're the Super Bowl. Um, all right. Yeah, so that, that's going to wrap up around the shield for this week. Uh, we're going to transition now into the lockboard, week two of the lockboard. So let's take a look at the standings. After week one, Eric and I are at the top with six points. Connor's in third place with five, and Nate's got two. So Nate's going to be picking first in our draft tonight. Um, Eric, you lost a matchup with uh, picking the Rockets to beat the Lakers. Uh, Nate, you lost a matchup taking uh, picking uh, Boston to beat Toronto. I lost the Cleveland beating Baltimore one. That was bad. And then Connor, you lost two NFL ones like the the Philly over Washington and then the Panthers over Raiders game. So everything. Yeah, when, I, when I said Philly, when I said Philly screwed me, they really screwed me yeah. this week. <laughs> really, uh, but we're on to another week. So we've got the betting lines. Updated for week two of the lock draft. Nate, you're going to be on the clock here with your first pick. Let me uh, go over to the betting line so you can see us here in slides too. But uh, where are you going to go with the first pick for this? All right. Yeah, so I've been trying to do a little bit thinking about that before the start of this episode. <laughs> uh, there's a few places I can go. Um, obviously, got a lot of choices here. Um Think, it's hard, it's hard when you can pick anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely you can pick literally anything here. Um, I think I am gonna go a little bit more um, risky. Last week, I was definitely very cautious. I didn't know, you know, how any of the NFL teams were gonna look, how any of the college teams were gonna be. So I kind of tried to play it safe with the uh, um, safe picks. But this week, I think I'm gonna go a little bit more upset-minded and try and catch up with two guys in the point standing. So I'm gonna go with. Um, I'm going to take Cincinnati over Cleveland, um, this week. Okay. Going for a possible three pointer there with Thursday night football. Going uh, for Connor, <laughs> Connor well, you've got the second pick here. Yeah. I know what I want to do here. Um, I will say with this game, my, um, my opinion on it has changed actually in the last day. Um, I would have gone the other way, um, yesterday if we did this but you know my mind's changed a little bit and i want to get this one excuse me now because i'm pretty sure zach's gonna pick it if if i if i don't so i'm gonna actually pick the denver nuggets beating the los angeles clippers dang you connor i knew it i gotta regroup now um <laughs> I knew you were going to pick that. I was like, I'm going to yeah. make Zach really mad with this pick. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Minnesota over Indianapolis. Indianapolis is favored by three. So I can. I can uh, really? get it. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's a three point pick, right? If you get that. Yeah. That's a yeah. Indy's a three point favorite. So that one was, that one was pretty high on my We'll say that's probably one of the safest three-point picks you can make this week. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All, All right, right, Eric. Well, since we've had a lot of um, upset picks here, there's not too many big upset picks left that I feel like confident in, so I better get one while I'm 
while I have this opportunity. I'm going to take the Jaguars to beat the Titans. Ooh, that's a that's going to be a, um, a five pointer, isn't it? Yep, that's a that's the biggest uh, NFL yeah, the spread big, this week. I mean, I know we haven't seen the Titans play yet, but I feel like the Jags beating the Colts. Well, if you like, turn on the TV should, to ESPN, you will see it right now. <laughs> we should not. We should not be a ten and a half point underdog this, uh, after getting a win. So I, I'm gonna just for the sake of the Jags. I feel like yeah, that's a slap I, in the face to them. I'm I'm picking I'm picking my Jags this time. <laughs> All right. Oh, Nate has left the chat. Oh, Nate Uh-oh. just said his Wi-Fi went out. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, is he going to lose his pick here? <laughs> <laughs> or we could come back to it, I guess. Like, Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> pause on the lock draft. Um, All right. The first round, if, if you want to see the second and third rounds, uh, just stay tuned in. <laughs> <laughs> Hang <Okay>. in there. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, we'll uh, go now to the bubble ball talk, talking about the NBA. This is the first time we've had this segment on the show now. So there's two NBA-related topics that I want to discuss, and I'll start with the first one being Game 7 between the Nuggets and Clippers. This is going to be played the night that we release this episode, so it'll be interesting to see right away how how it, it turns out, predictions, but... Uh, the Nuggets with another huge comeback in the series, down three games to one, like they were with Utah, and then they go out, they win game six, or they win game five, they win game six, and now we're at a game seven here. And I'm I'm gonna pick the Nuggets. Like Connor uh, was right, he knew I was taking Denver. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I just think Denver. Um, They've they've had the experience. That's here's the thing is they were in a game seven at the spot last year against Portland and lost. They had the game seven against Utah and they they won it. Um, their offense is just really dynamic with Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, and Jokic. That's a that's an underrated legit big three. And the Clippers have been really underperforming, just letting their foot off the gas when they get big leads. Um, I know the the energy and stuff should be higher for a game seven, but Lou Williams has really disappeared from this series. Uh, Lemon Pepper Lou is just not uh, living up <laughs> to six man of the year title that he has. Um, so with that being said, playoff P could make an appearance. Um, but I, <laughs> the, I just think the Clippers are just, uh, just the weaker team right now. I mean, they had so many chances to close out the series, and they haven't. Uh, obviously, Kawhi's got the most experience in these situations out of anybody on the floor, but Denver's got nothing to lose. They're just, you know, playing as a team. Just they, they. I think Denver truly believes that they're going to win this game, and the Clippers. Uh, now that they've lost these last two games in a row, I, I think they're wondering what's happened to us. They're, they've this whole time they've been just looking forward to the Lakers. They've kind of overlooked Denver. And I think they've allowed, obviously, Denver to have a chance to get back in the series. Um, and I think Denver's going to take advantage of it. I think it'll be close, but I like Denver to win this. Uh, Eric, I know you're my fellow NBA man. Uh, how do you? Yes. I know you, you picked the Clippers at the start of the bubble, and yeah, I think the start I of the mean, season. I, but I have to stick with my team of choice here and go with the Clippers, but. I mean, I will say I definitely agree with what you're saying. Where it just it seems like 
they may have overlooked them and were looking ahead to the Lakers. So, but if losing two games in a row to them and having the series tied up doesn't wake them up, then I don't know what else will. I mean, it's been really disappointing seeing them play like this because I've been a, you know, fan of Kawhi Leonard through most of his career. Like I was a fan of Paul George when he was on my thunder and felt like he was having a great season last year because he had the shoulder injuries. Like, like I, I, even though I'm not a big fan of LA teams generally, like, you know, I want this Clippers team to, you know, go far and do well. And a loss to the Nuggets would just be really demoralizing for them because they've had all the hype going in about that they were going to be the best chance to beat LeBron and AD and the Lakers. And now they're going to game seven against the Nuggets and they struggled against the Mavericks in their early series. So I'm definitely not as confident in them as I was, you know, at the beginning of the year and even, you know, going into the bubble and everything. But I just got a, I just got this feeling though, that they're going to find a way to get it done. I will say what I think is going to make the difference from the Clippers games that I've watched this year. They're some of their good games and their bad games. When, Teams play fast-paced against the Clippers. That's where the Clippers seem to struggle. If there's a lot of, if you know, if they give up a lot of points in transition and things like that, their defense gets exposed there in that area. But when they force the other teams to play a lot of half-court sets and they slow the game down, that's where the Clippers are really good. So if they can contain the you know, faster pace of the Nuggets, that they can prevent them from getting transition buckets, you know, force them to run a lot of half-court sets. I feel like the Clippers will win the game. But if they, you know, like I said, if they don't, then the Nuggets take it. And that would just be a huge surprise because a few days ago when we were, you know, first starting to talk about things we might be doing for this episode, I figured with the way the series was going by now, we'd be, you know, talking about Clippers-Lakers and... You know who was going to win that series, but now it's like we're talking about Nuggets and Clippers in a game seven, which I did not expect. But I'm cool with the Nuggets, so if they win, you know, whatever. But I, you know, I think most people want to see the LA showdown too. But the Clippers have got to step up, though, they can't keep overlooking the Nuggets. Yeah, uh, I guess I'll before we go back to the lock draft because Nate's um looking in slides and texting me about that, but uh. <laughs> Connor, what made you change your mind? Uh, I was surprised to hear that you changed your mind. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's mainly just a, a momentum thing. I mean, I think one, probably one of the reasons why yesterday when we were talking about this, I was picking the Clippers is because, for me, it's so hard to bet against Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he's proven time and time again that, I mean, you know, he's reminiscent almost of Michael Jordan in terms of how big he comes up in the clutch moments. I mean, you know, he had that clutch, albeit like super lucky three pointer at the end of, you know, the series against the Sixers last year. And then also he came up big in the NBA finals um, against the Warriors when not a lot of people thought the Raptors had too big of a chance. And even going back to San Antonio, you know, the series against the heat, you know, the Spurs had fallen to, the heat the year before in seven games and you know the Spurs really weren't looking like the same team like Duncan and Ginobili and Parker just weren't the same and Kawhi was the one who stepped up and carried that team through the playoffs so it is very hard for me to pick against Kawhi Leonard but Denver I mean 
they just have all the momentum on their side. And I think more so than any other sport in the NBA, having momentum is uh, incredibly important. I mean, I don't know, you know, the way that the Nuggets came back from the series last time being down three to one. And, you know, they're especially now doing it against a better team. Like I would have said this time around, because against the Jazz, I was like, I wasn't too surprised that they maybe did that. Um, but especially against this Clippers team, I mean, they're just stepping up in a big way. So I think the Nuggets are ready. And I think that they're, they've got the momentum and they've got the skill to take down the Clippers. And um, I'll be really interested to see how it goes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, no football on tomorrow night, so <laughs> this will be uh, this will be what we're gonna be watching. Know what I'm watching? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Nate's back with us now. Nate, uh, you can start us off now with uh, the first pick in the second round. Oh, he's muted. Okay. Nate. Nate. I mean, I know who he's gonna pick. Oh, there we go. Oh, that's weird. I, I don't know how I muted myself there. That's, sorry about that. Yeah, I had a little bit of a technical <laughs> issue there. But, um, uh, yeah, so for my second round, um, I am going to go with one that hopefully is a little bit more of a uh, sure thing, at least by what the um the spread says. But I'm going to take UCF over uh, Georgia Tech this week. Yep, so going going with a one-pointer there, you see, I've got Georgia Tech. Are you sure, man, they beat the Seminoles last week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what, I'm a little bit, a little bit unsure, but I mean, being Seminoles in 2020 is not um, <laughs> the accomplishment of what it was a few years oh, ago. Yeah. So I feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. All right, Connor, now make another pick for us, man. All right, so I thought I was going safe last week by picking the Eagles over Washington, so. Uh, you know, I feel like every week I need to have at least one sure thing. So this time around, hopefully this doesn't bite me in the butt again. Um, like my safe pick doesn't bite me in the butt again. I'm not picking the Eagles again. But, um, <laughs> that's where I'm, you're going. I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, especially um, not after what happened last week. And the Rams are a good team, so I wouldn't do that. But um, I'm going to take the Chiefs over the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay, another... That's about safe as safe pick as any there. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a safe one too. The safe ones. It's a run on safe picks here. I'm gonna go uh, Tampa over Carolina. Also prevents anybody from getting a potential five pointer. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody was gonna be confident enough. To I don't. That I don't one, know. But... But you never no. Know. All right. <laughs> All right, Eric. All right, so I am going to take a, another upset, although not as big of an upset here. Uh, and then I will wait till the next round to do my safer pick. I'm going to pick the Giants over the Bears. Oh, you suck, Eric. Mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky <laughs> was nice in this draft. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky was really bad in that Lions game, other than the fourth quarter, and. I don't trust them to have another fourth quarter like that. So even though the Giants don't excite me, I I feel like I can get. A I don't know, man. Daniel Jones looked pretty good in that game against the Steelers. Like, I mean, I haven't, he seen, has, that. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah. uh, he he has some moments in that game where he looked pretty good. So that's why you yeah, suck. I guess so I, I picked that trust one. Daniel, I trust Daniel Jones <laughs> more than I trust Mitchell Trubisky. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right, uh, Nate, starting off the the final round here. What you got? 
All right, so I'm not going to make a basketball pick this week because that didn't work out so well for me last time. Um, so I'm gonna stick with, um, stick with the NFL here. I think. Um, um, I'm going to. I had they took the ones I was looking at. Um, I think I'm gonna go. Um, Atlanta. Oh wait, did anyone take that already? No, that yeah. that's game good. Yeah. yeah. I want to go with Atlanta over Dallas. Try and go for another three-pointer there. Get caught back up. This isn't yeah. basketball, mate. No three-pointers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Connor, uh, take us away on your next one. Oh, boy, okay. I'm like, I've been left with a lot of not good options. Um, I've been trying to look at stuff, but I mean... Um, Eric stole the Giants over the Bears, and then I was kind of considering that Atlanta over Dallas one. So um, I think, well, actually, I know what I'm going to do. I am going to pick the Rams to beat the Eagles. Okay, yeah, that, that's the closest game of the week. Uh, so definitely, definitely still a three-pointer, though. <laughs> it's still a three-pointer. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with three-pointer, too. I'm going to go to college football and take Houston to beat Baylor. Um, that Baylor game last week got canceled due to COVID. Uh, I don't – I did something about Baylor. That's a bad omen, I guess. <laughs> and, um, the Big 12 is, like, really bad this year. So if that game gets canceled, though, that's a good reminder, though, because um, if these games do get canceled, the way we uh, fix that is – you can pick any game. They just have to be of the same point value. So in my case, I had that game as a one-pointer, and I switched it to KC as a one-pointer. So, uh, yeah, but hopefully they play that game. <laughs> Eric, uh, <laughs> well, it, it, was, it was Louisiana Tech that had the COVID issues, not oh, Baylor. Okay, so yeah. it should, they should play it. Okay, okay so uh, for my final pick, this is going to be my safe choice and my – ultimate true lock of the week maybe my survival pick but i don't know yet but i'm going to pick the 49ers to beat the jets yep or uh, zach asked me earlier if i was concerned about the 49ers which right now the answer is no but if they lose this then i will definitely, <laughs> then I will definitely alarms are <laughs> the <laughs> yeah the alarm the alarms in uh northern california are going to be going off too because the you know, you got the J-E-T-S, suck, suck, suck. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. Um, all right, so that wraps up the lock draft for this. It's an interesting lock draft. A lot of snipes this time. Uh, should be fun to see how week two turns out. Uh, but let's get back to bubble ball um, and talk about the next and final NBA topic. And I'll let Eric introduce this. It's got to deal with uh, the Rockets. So, Eric, uh, take us away. <laughs> Yeah, so obviously the Rockets just got eliminated by the Lakers four games to one. And this is just an interesting topic because the Rockets have a lot of interesting decisions to make going forward. And obviously the news just broke, you know, not too long ago that uh, D'Antoni was stepping down as coach. So obviously the first thing they got to do is figure out who their new coach is going to be. But I don't 
follow coaches and stuff, you know, like who's available too much. <laughs> yeah. so I don't really have any suggestions to make for that. But in my opinion too, I don't know about what you guys think, but in my opinion too, I really think they need to do a major overhaul of the roster. I sorry, James Harden fans. I know you're heavily going to disagree with me here, but <laughs> I don't think there's any way that the Rockets are going to win a championship with James Harden on the team. I'm not a believer in him. I feel like his game is limited to either step back threes or driving into the paint and trying to get a foul. That's and swapping. <laughs> yeah. That, that's well, I, I said it the nice way, trying to get a foul, but yeah, <laughs> that, that, you know, that that's kind of what I meant, but you know, the flopping the head back and the beard goes up in the air. Like, you know, I, <laughs> I just, I'm not a fan of watching this guy play basketball personally, but I think if you're the Rockets GM, you really need to take a look at this and consider overhauling the roster. Because I also don't think you're getting anywhere with Russell Westbrook either. Like his best thing, his best attribute to his game is his athleticism. But now that he's getting a little bit older, you can tell he's starting to lose that a little bit. And it's only going to you know, get worse every year as time goes on. So you really need to they really need to take a look at this and say, are we going to win a championship with these guys? And if not, then they need to consider blowing it up. And I know the Thunder got a lot of flack going into last offseason when they traded Paul George and Russell Westbrook. I mean, everybody thought for sure they were tanking and i you know kind of thought the same myself i know because you abandoned me on the take a walk yeah, and eat a taco yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. you never did that <laughs> i know well i mean i mean the hornets were in the playoff fight for the whole season yeah, so the hornets did better than expected and then the thunder made the playoffs so connor and i didn't have to take a walk and you know read a book and eat a taco but um that's a really old episode by the way if you're wondering what, <laughs> what yeah the hell we're talking about but um but my pro now the thing is though is that I've seen some interviews in the past with the Rockets GM and he thinks James Harden is you know God's greatest gift to mankind so pretty sure he's not gonna trade him but even still they still got to figure out some things because they need to first of all whatever coach they do get it needs to be somebody that's not a Per, not a coach that uses the same system that D'Antoni uses. Just shooting 800 threes a game and being like the only team to shoot more threes than two-pointers, that that needs to change because what happens in these games when the three ball is not falling, it's getting close to crunch time, the defense is tightening up more, not allowing the drives as often. You need to have guys that can create their own shots and open up the mid-range game, which causes the defense to play differently, which then allows you to have more drives. And But when they know all you're going to do is drive or shoot the three, and the three's not falling, they're not going to worry about the three as much, then you can't get the drive, then what are you going to do? And I feel like the Rockets have been exposed with that time after time. And also, too, with the playoffs, you're generally not going to get as many fouls. That's why James Harden's driving and flopping the headback strategy doesn't usually work. It works in the regular season, but it doesn't work as well in the playoffs. So 
to kind of bring it all back around, I mean, if I was the Rockets GM, I mean, Zach and Connor know this in 2K. When I feel like my team's not working, I blow it up. Like they, they, they <laughs> spends like three around. hours looking for trades. Yeah, they, they know. And then sometimes doesn't make any. <laughs> yeah, I will research the crap out of trades and get the best value possible. But I, I don't think the Rockets are going to do that. But I think at the minimum they need to trade Russell Westbrook. And then the other thing they need to do is they need to get a true big guy, whether it be somebody in the draft. I don't think there's going to be too many free agents available, but I think Bobon's a free agent. Oh yeah, you <laughs> get him. But they they need a true big guy that can get rebounds because that that was another way they got exposed to against the Lakers. There, I mean, when you're going against Anthony Davis and Javale McGee at the same time, and your biggest guy on the court is like six eight, like PJ Tucker is like one of your tallest guys. Like PJ that, Tucker's not, only six five too, and he's playing yeah, center. Yeah, like that. That's not gonna work. I mean, and the fact that the Rockets thought that was gonna work is just mind boggling to me. And I guess another thing too, I could rant about. I'm not gonna get into it too much. So I've been talking a lot, but like Rockets fans on Twitter just drive <laughs> me nuts, dude. Just reading their tweets, like and Zach. Zach, I gotta give you props for you know, going after some of them on Twitter. Like, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't hold back. Zach and, I got, Zach and I got into a war of words. With one of them. <laughs> Cause to me, <laughs> to me, like arguing with somebody that's such a hardcore fan of their team like that, to me, it's just like, even if you know, you're hundred percent right. And they're hundred percent wrong. It's like arguing with a wall. It's not going to do anything, you know, whereas like, that's why I don't mind debating y'all as much if we disagree on stuff, because I know we'll like respect each other's opinions and maybe, open each other's eyes or even if we don't we're at least respectful about it whereas i can't go on twitter and say anything bad about james harden because oh i mean he's a god are you crazy what he's the best player in the NBA. they might take a flight out to your city to to go and and fight you (laughs) we saw on twitter apparently he's going out to la to try to whip on some Lakers fans or something. I wouldn't want him coming to Victoria to get me. Like I just they argue, you know, James Harden's the best player in the league. He scores like 35 points a game, huh? You know, but he's like the greatest shooter of all time and he uh, yo, like no, but I just I can't stand Rockets fans. Like I know Rockets fans in real life. Uh most of them are people that I've worked with and like they're cool. Like I can talk with them. But Rockets fans on Twitter Y'all drive me nuts. <laughs> That's why I don't even bother interacting. Like, just reading their stuff makes me want to throw up. Like, I can't do it. But basically, now that I've tried to bring this back around and calm down, they need to at least get a center and at least consider trading Russell Westbrook at the bare minimum. But if it was me, I pull what the Thunder did last year, trade the two stars, get a bunch of draft picks, get young guys like how the Thunder got Shea Gildas Alexander, like a young guy that you can build around that a team would be willing to give up to get a Harden or a Russell, like, and then go from there. But I don't think they do that, but that's what I would do. Uh, I'll let, I'll just kind of open it up to the floor. Whoever wants to go next and talk about it and give your opinion on it. All right. I'll, I'll go next. Um, I basically echo everything you said, except uh really i'm gonna emphasize more the trading the westbrook part like they've gotta they've gotta just dump him period i think even potentially cutting him would be an option because they play so much you saw in the thunder series they played so much better without him than they did with him so i think even if they this is a hot take but even if they don't trade him i think just cutting him is gonna benefit them and 
I like what you said about the center. You made great points there about the new coach not being the D'Antoni system. Uh, but I think the most realistic and the biggest thing that the Rockets could do to get better is to have James Harden change his game a little bit so that he has a mid-range shot that's respectable because that's really been undervalued. But when it comes to playoff time, like you said, Eric, in those crunch situations where you need to get a shot up, I mean, Kawhi Leonard is money when it comes to that. And I know he's a god from mid range. Yeah. Uh, So, and I saw CJ in the playoffs last year go berserk with mid range shots. Um, In today's NBA, they're not flashy. They're not, you know, going to show up on the Sports Center highlights, but they're really important to have. And I think Harden's obviously, he's a good three point shooter. He's, you know, a master at drawing fouls. So he's got those parts to his game. But if he if he can try and just practice on the mid-range and try and implement that more into his game then so it's not as predictable as it is for the playoffs, I think that would benefit them a lot. But also, too, they got to get a center. They got to be more like a normal NBA team with uh, regards to three-point shooting. And and I, I, I do think Westbrook's got to lead the team. Like, I, I wonder if you guys would agree with me about that. But... Uh, Oh, oh yeah, that, that's like what I just said. I mean, at the at the minimum, they need to trade him because. But the problem is, is I just don't know if they will because they gave. First of all, they're, I mean, they're paying him a lot of money, so they're definitely not going to just like outright cut him. I mean, because they'd still have to pay him. Yeah. But they they also probably aren't even going to want to trade him because they just last year gave up two first round picks uh, to get him. So, and I think they did pick swaps too in the other years with the Thunder. So, like, they're in a really bad position with their draft capital because of him. Now, I know, like, if things aren't working, you got to, you know, cut your ties and, you know, cut your losses and move on. But the problem is, you know, these GMs sometimes get these egos and, when they invest a lot of capital into a player, like, they're not going to easily give them up. So, I don't think the Rockets I don't know if he maybe they get a new GM (laughs) (laughs) well I mean I that's what they I mean maybe they should do that too I when I I saw this interview where the Rockets GM said James Harden was a better score than Michael Jordan and I was like hey you're an idiot how how do you have a job (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I'm not a fan of their GM at all like if I was their owner I would be dumping him but you know it it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I, I do agree with you, though, Zach. Like, they need to get rid of him because he does not help their team at all. Yeah, Connor, so do you have I anything guess, to add to this? Okay, I guess I'll go on. I mean, I'm I'm going to keep it short, but yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you guys are saying. I mean, Westbrook needs to go. Honestly, Harden needs to go too. I mean, like you guys said, just try and build around a young group of players. But I think the biggest thing, I mean, Zach was kind of emphasizing the Westbrook thing. I'm really going to emphasize the big man thing because, you know, when you're appointed center, you know, PJ Tucker, all he does all game when they go on offense is just go stand in the corner. Like he has zero presence in the paint. I mean, he can't even really shoot mid range shots. All he does, like you just watch Rockets games. If you keep an eye on PJ Tucker, that's exactly what he does when they go down the floor is so we're going up the floor and then right to the corner. And the problem for him too, is yeah. that like, you know, he's a good three-point shooter, but he can't even, sh- like, only from the corner. His three-point percentage from the top is terrible. So it's one of those things, it's like, you know, he has one thing to his game, and that's the corner three, and that's it. 
when you're one of your starters, like when that's all they can do, especially your center, like he's the appointed center on the team. That means you're not getting offensive rebounds. You know, you're relying on low percentage shots whenever he gets the ball. It's just not a good situation for them. So, I mean, I think if they really can, you know, get a big man, a good big man that can just get some rebounds and have an inside presence, because like you guys were talking about, the three point shot isn't always going to fall. Like, yeah, you have nights where you're shooting 40% from three and, you know, you're having a big night and, um, you know, you're, you're getting out to this big leaks, everything's falling, but then you have the opposite, which happens more often than not when they're not falling. And then you have no inside presence at all. So it's definitely something that they're going to have to look at. And, you know, I definitely agree too, that they're never going to win a championship with Harden or Westbrook much to, you know, all the fans on Twitter. I think if Harden's not their best player, like if they were to get like a Kawhi or someone like that, um, someone yeah. better than Harden, I think they could, but as their best player, I, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, but I mean, that's, that's, too many times. you know, that's not going to happen, though. No. You know, they don't have the cap for that, but it's definitely, you know, and especially with the, like you said, the people on Twitter, I guess I'll talk about that. Like, you know, Zach and I got into an argument with this one guy on Twitter that was, you know, talking about how the Rockets would have been in the finals all these years if they'd been in the East. And, you know, it's just, it just sounds like more excuses. And like, and then I asked him, I was like, well, if they're that good, then why can't they, you know, get past the Warriors? And he's like, oh, well, you know, we lost to a dynasty. And I'm like, that just sounds like more excuses again. <laughs> like, if you're a truly good team, then you can get past that. And also, I will say the thing about, you know, James Harden. This is another thing that came up on Twitter when we were talking is that, like, you know, Harden does zero things with his game to make the players around him better. And it's one thing that I, because this guy was talking about, he was saying that, oh, well, I mean, it's kind of like the LeBron argument, like, oh, well, you know, James Harden got like 27 points and, you know, and I mean, it's a little bit of the Giannis, it's the LeBron and the Giannis argument, like, oh, you know, they got like 27 points and like, you know, all these assists and, you know, the rest of the team only got like nine points. So what, what more can he do? And it's like, well, Harden doesn't do anything to make the players around him better. The truly great players in the league make everybody around them better. I mean, Michael Jordan, I mean, Scottie Pippen, you know, he made Scottie Pippen better and turned Scottie Pippen into an all-star. He made, you know, the rest of that Bulls team better. I mean, even LeBron, to a lesser extent, makes the, those around him better. Kobe Bryant makes those around him better. And it's just, Harden doesn't do that. There's, like, you know, people always try and say how good of a leader he is, but I just don't see it. I see zero leadership in James Harden. So that's another thing they need is leadership, they need a player that can really go out there and motivate the team. So overhaul, yeah. I think, is the way to go. And, um, I mean, obviously Rockets fans are going to disagree, but, <laughs> you know, you can't control that. Yeah, I mean, when, when you hit the same wall so many times, like, how can you not, like, open your eyes <laughs> out? <laughs> uh, we'll end it there. We'll end it there uh, over an hour now. But uh, good stuff, guys. And. We'll see how the locks go, and we'll be back next week with another episode for you guys. Thank you to everybody for listening and watching. Remember, be clutch. Bye. Peace.